Welcome into another episode of the Musketeer Report podcast. Paul Fritchner, Rick Broering. And for this one, we couldn't record without bringing in Dan from the Dana and Victory podcast. Everybody back together for this one. And it is March 19th, 2022, 13 years after he left to go to Arizona. Sean Miller has been named the head coach of the Xavier Musketeers. And Rick, you and I recorded a, podca- a podcast on Monday afternoon, and we were debating. Podcast we- is probably the appropriate term. <laughs> a podcast, yeah. We, we recorded that's on a, Monday. That's the Reds. That's the Reds podcast. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is what Dan brings out of the podcast immediately. Like we can't even get through the <laughs> intro without it going off the rails in that fashion. Unbelievable. We, we recorded on Monday, and, and we thought, Maybe do we even want to do another podcast next Monday? Would we have enough to even talk about with the NIT and everything else? And now here we are on Sunday night doing our second emergency podcast of the week. And uh, first of all, I want to say a a huge. Hold on. Is it Sunday night or Saturday night right now? Oh, it, it is Saturday night. Okay. All right. You, I was like, wait, I don't have to do an overnight shift right after this, do I? Because that's <laughs> Fritchner, you're screwing with me, man. Do I we want to do it? No, here, keep here, this I'll... in. This is amazing. Keep right. this, in. this has right. to stay in. All right. It, it, it is Saturday night. Uh yeah, I was I was thinking it was Sunday too. It is Saturday night. Xavier is going to play a basketball game tomorrow on Sunday, which is maybe the craziest part of this whole thing that the season's still going on. But uh as I was saying a second ago, I want to first off start off by saying, uh, you know, a congrats to you and, and to Adam and uh, to all the reporting and work you guys did throughout the week. Uh, you guys had a busy 80 hours. In fact, somebody mentioned it on the message board when I tweeted it out. Had to go back and do the math. It seemed like a whole lot longer than 80 hours between Travis being let go and uh, Sean being hired just before five o'clock this afternoon on whatever day it is, Saturday afternoon. But uh, Rick, I'll leave the floor open for you here for a second on how this week went. Uh, I know we talked a little, uh, some about it after Travis got let go in our first emergency podcast, but these last couple of days with how things went down, uh, how quickly things transpired, just walk us through what these last 48 hours or so have been like. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the truth of the matter is Xavier's administration was backing Travis Steele until the end. They, they wanted him to figure it out. They were still had confidence in him. And when it fell the way it did at the end of the year and they didn't make the, the NCAA tournament and it went out looking almost identical to last year, I think that's when the decision was made. So in terms of like being ready to hire a coach, they were not really into the process at all when Sean Miller became available to them on Wednesday. And they found that out through, you know, uh, I, th- I believe a search firm through his agent. I haven't been able to confirm the details of exactly how the, the interaction, the initial interaction went down between Sean's party, reaching out to Xavier and letting him know he'd be interested after he received some interest from South Carolina. But that's really when the whole process kicked off. And then there are essentially two processes at that time. There's one the, the team that is working round the clock on Sean Miller and trying to get him vetted and trying to go through all the legal processes of, of forming a contract and a proposal and all that. And then there's another group that's working on the general. If it's not Sean Miller, we're going to have a basketball coach search happening. So we have to start vetting other candidates and doing all that type of stuff. But I will be clear that in my conversations with sources that were directly connected to the process and all of that, there was never another candidate's name that was ever brought up to me. Not one time did I have a conversation about this guy or that guy. It was always Sean Miller. That was the only person we were ever talking about. Which tells you from the start that that's, do you think that was the 
impetus then for the firing on Tuesday or on Wednesday morning? I think Xavier will tell you no. I, I think when Xavier did not get into the NCAA tournament, the decision was made to fire Travis. The problem is they left it up to the team whether or not they wanted to play in the NIT, and they said yes. And they felt the student-athletes deserved that opportunity to play in the NIT if they wanted to do so. So they let them do that. Now, I find it very hard to believe that the decision was then made to fire Travis 12 hours after he won a game in the NIT. I, I yeah. don't think that was the plan. I think that part is where you, you start questioning when they first heard from Sean Miller's side of things. Because it seems like something spurred them on to hurry up and fire Travis right after that game, less than 12 hours later the, on Wednesday morning. So uh, those details are still blurry. I've heard some conflicting reports on it from very credible people on both sides. And I, I think the clear thing is that once the, it started, once they were they knew they were looking for a coach, it was full bore ahead on Sean Miller. Yeah. All right, Dan, what are we thinking here? Well, thank you, Paul. Um, I would say that I think Rick brought it up very early in the process that the idea that Sean Miller would come back to Xavier seemed fanciful. And I know that when Chris Mack left Xavier, there was some talk about Sean being a candidate to come back to Xavier instead of Travis Steele. But I think the whole time I was just like, eh, this seems stupid. There's no possible way this could happen. Um, and I think, Rick, you would agree that early on, that was the same attitude you had to the idea that uh, Sean would be a candidate, right? Yeah. Can I add to that part of it, though, Dan? I felt the same way you did when it got brought up the last time. Through this process this week, I found out that Sean Miller would have absolutely come here the last time that job was open and would have left Arizona. Really? And it was a legitimate possibility at the time. And that's why a lot of people had confidence about it going into this one. Uh, last time Xavier was not interested this time they obviously were. So I, I found that to be fascinating. That was one good nugget uh, that, that came out of all of this is that it, it was a legitimate thing four years ago. Which before so, we before we get into revisionist history on this one, though, Rick, wouldn't you agree that Travis was probably the the right hire for the program at the time, though? Yeah, I I, I agree. Yeah. I think that's what they thought, and I think even if it wasn't going to be Travis, I mean, you also got to think of the the timing of all of that and where it was at with in terms of Sean's yeah. situation. So, I mean, yeah. there's you know there's a reason he might have been interested in leaving at that time too. Yeah, yeah, and incidentally, Paul, I. I also was totally in favor of hiring Travis Steele at that time, as I think most people were, because it fit the pattern that Xavier had used to great success over the previous several decades of hiring the next guy in line, somebody that's in, uh, uh, imbued with the, uh, the culture of the program, et cetera. It just didn't work out. And so this hire is, I mean, it's weird. There's very few times that somebody has come back to a program that they coached before. Um, in fact, I can't think of any examples as we sit here. Dave so, Lato. Dave Lato, that's right. That's right. That's the only one. Um, so I guess, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm very excited, though, because Sean is one of the best coaches in college basketball. Obviously, there are the 
issues that we will talk about, I'm sure. But there are very few coaches in America that have the record that this guy has. And for Xavier to get him at this stage is pretty amazing uh, under these circumstances. So I guess we'll see. One thing that I just keep going back to, and I've thought this the entire time, is that if you're getting rid of Travis Steele just to get one of the mid-major flavors of the month that were available this time, I didn't love that group of candidates. I wasn't all that excited about it. I wasn't very certain that it – I'm not even going to name any names, but any of the top guys that are being looked at for jobs, you've seen some of them get hired today. I wasn't very confident – that any of those guys in year one at Xavier moving up from mid-major to a high-major level at the Big East was going to be any better than Travis Steele was in year five. And, you know, you got to give that person another three years to figure it out on their own, three or four years. So maybe you're just restarting the same process that Travis just went through, where you have to learn to put a roster together at the high-major level. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's kind of a unique recruiting situation at Xavier. When you're in the A-10, you were always going to get the best players for the A-10 level. At the Big East level, Xavier's recruiting the best they ever have, and it's still not enough at times. They're still not able to find the right roster, and they're competing against guys that some teams are pulling in five-star guys in the Big East. So I think it is a major learning curve, and I think Travis had to go through that process over the last four years. And any of those guys that might have been available, even if they worked out, it might have been a learning process. And I don't know that they were going to do a better job than Travis would over the next three to four years if you stayed with him. So my thought that was, if, if you were going to go through with this, you really better have a great plan in place and one that you're really confident in. I didn't think it would be Sean Miller, but as soon as that became an option, all of a sudden it starts to make a little more sense on why you m- might move quickly on something like this. And it also goes from having a guy that is right back at the bottom tier of the Big East in terms of where he ranks in the coaching status to now you've got the second best coach in the Big East behind Jay Wright, period. And everybody yeah. knows that. There's not another administration in the Big East that doesn't think that. Yeah. Right. And that was a that was such a huge thing for me when you and Paul were talking about that last week, about just the idea of where Sean would rank in that hierarchy. It kind of opened my eyes like, well, yeah, that makes a great deal of sense. And all of a sudden, Xavier's back on the map. Um, I understand and I appreciate what Xavier's you know, what, what Xavier's administration was trying to do. And I, I really do have a great deal of respect for Travis Steele, but it just obviously was not working at that point. And for them to identify that there was this opportunity out there and to jump on it, I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. Well, and I, from what I understand, I think they were going to part ways with Travis regardless after the season finished the way it did. I don't know that the plan to, to get Sean Miller was related to that at all. In fact, they will tell you it was not based on everything that I've been hearing over the last few days. So whether that's true or not, you can choose to believe what you want, I guess. I have pretty good sources <laughs> telling me it's not. But it, I think with, with, with the decision to get Sean, Dan, is where you're right is, once they figured out that was an option, they made it their only option. They didn't think about doing anything else. They didn't get cold feet and think, oh, there's so many what ifs and so many contingency plans and things that are scary and going to be hard to work through over the next 48 hours. They just went all in. 
And for that, I do think they deserve some credit. Yeah, because that could have been dangerous, right? They could have pushed all their chips into the middle of the table and gone after Sean and then won either been scared away by whatever the NCAA would have told them. They wouldn't have gotten the exact punishment, but they maybe would have found something through the vetting process that gave them pause to say, oh, he's going to be suspended for this long or things like that. The other thing too is he could have very well accepted the South Carolina offer because I don't know if it was you, Rick, or or one of the South Carolina insiders. He had an actual offer from South Carolina if he had chosen to accept it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, both schools made an offer to him. And the way it played out, looking back, you have to kind of think he and his agent used South Carolina to leverage Xavier into an offer. And not to run up the price because he accepted less to go to Xavier, but just to get an offer from Xavier. He just used an SEC school that was willing to offer him over $3 million a year as leverage to come to Xavier. I mean, that's the other thing at play here is how big time this makes Xavier look in this situation as a basketball school and where it ranks as a job. I hadn't heard it laid out like that, but yes, that is kind of incredible. When they landed a big time, the biggest name that was available in coaching, they got him over an SEC school. Not only that, but he and his agent looked like they essentially leveraged South Carolina into receiving an offer from Xavier. I mean, that's, a pretty crazy world we're living in if that's what just really happened. And it's hard to argue the facts in another way. And, and think about the, the PR tour that Sean has done this year too, with going on the field of 68. We'd, he'd, we'd seen him at the Xavier game this year. He's been around, he's been a public face. It's not like he got fired from Arizona and then just disappeared into nothingness. And all of a sudden now he's back on the coaching landscape. We've heard from Sean, we've seen Sean. And now here he is back at Xavier and, for how many times Dan Rick over and over and over, we keep hearing how much he loves Xavier, how much he wished he hadn't left. And at the end of the day, was that just going to be a whole lot more uh, uh, of lip service or was he going to well, put the money where the mouth was? And he did in the, at the end. Well, the question I was going to ask you, Paul, because you're around more often than Rick or I even are, is how much do you think, Sean's trip to uh, to Cintas for the UConn game uh, influenced this. Well, I don't know how much it influenced it, but certainly looking back on it, it seems to me like if the wheels were are turning like that, it's hard to read a ton into a, a situation like that where Sean and Travis are already so close. Travis got hired by Sean back in 2008, right? So they're supposedly good friends. I, I don't know firsthand how what their dynamic is now but looking back now in retrospect now that Sean has been hired it's really hard to look at Sean coming to that game and sitting in a suite and being around Sintos and all of that and the comments that he made on the field of 68 and everything and and you know like I know you know we all know that Sean watches Xavier he watches a lot of Xavier sure I know for I know for a fact that Sean consistently has kept up with Xavier, especially this season and watching the games and how closely he's followed the program. So this was no surprise really to me at this stage of the game that he wanted to show a strong sign to come back. And in the end, after what a month ago when he was at Cintas, which was that the first time he was back since he left or at least in in a public manner where everybody knew he was there. I I can't remember a time he'd been back. As far as I'm aware. Yes. I I think I don't know if there was some. Yeah. Which, 
What do you guys think of that to, to come back in that situation against Connecticut in a big time game, but at the same time, know that there's this cloud kind of hanging over Travis's head. What, what, what kind of a message is that? I think that's the kind of thing. Now you look back on that and it's hard to think that he wasn't thinking of coming back and taking over the program when he made that move. I don't think he was having any conversations with the administration about coming back as no. a coach or anything. I, I, I find that very hard to believe based on the way this whole process played out. Because again, if they had already done this and that the wheels had started turning and he had talked to Greg Christopher or, or someone else at Xavier about coming back at that time. And they knew this was their plan from then on is yeah, we're going to get rid of Travis and do this. It wouldn't have taken the time that it did for them to vet him and process this thing over the last three days after he already had an offer from South Carolina. Like that's, that's the part of it that just doesn't, I know for a fact, like they were starting from scratch essentially on Sean Wednesday. So if, if he had, if they had started wow. this process back after the UConn game and they knew it was going to happen, why would it have taken them so long after Wednesday? See, I think, so I think Paul, it might've been the opposite. I think, uh, I think Sean may have come back to spend some time with former players, people he knew from Xavier, and then realized that this may be a place where I may come back to. Yeah. Kind of confirming those feelings maybe. Right. Right. Like he, right. we, we know how much he's talked about it and how much that the story about, about Sean telling Chris when Chris was going to leave for Louisville to go down there. And Sean said, Hey, look, like the grass isn't always greener. Is that confirmed? Is that true? I've never actually seen that in writing. You guys would know that better than I would. Is that a true, or is that just been hearsay among people that knew Chris or heard that one way or the other? I, I can't, I can't recall how exactly that was reported. I know people have talked about that. I don't know yeah. if like maybe snow said that, or someone might've said it. It didn't come from me, um, but I believe it. I, I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I know Sean oh, has I said believe favorable it too. things I just, about Xavier for sure. I know Thad Mata has not to other people. So yeah. yeah. So well, I know that be, Chris, Chris be. did tweet. Chris did tweet that he was a, apparently excited about Sean coming back. So, which I thought was interesting. interesting. Yeah, the let's go with a bunch of exclamation points and some eyeball emojis. That and it was immediate too. That's a and, and speaking of that, I'm glad you brought it up, Dan. Uh Chris Mack's name got thrown around this week as a potential backup if Sean had not gotten hired. Rick, do you have anything more on like yeah. where well, that came from? Or I or love how you put like the that? backup title on it and then throw it on me, like, hey, yeah, you want to you want to confirm that? It's like, well, well, no one's going to agree to it when you put it like that, obviously. Like, Chris would not be the backup plan, to put it that way. But at the well, same time, yeah. I also heard what you're referring to, which is essentially Chris would have liked the job. And if, if they would have fallen through with Miller, that's the only way it could have happened. So essentially, yeah, you're right. He could have been the, the, the fallback option there. But obviously, everybody would deny that at this point because – it went to Sean. And from what I heard, it was, it would have been a non-starter on Xavier side of things. I, I do not okay. think Xavier would have looked at Chris as a serious option. And that's not because Chris isn't a good coach. I just, I, I think everything yeah. was too soon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his departure for Louisville, I think left some bad blood with people that are still there. So it always has to, right. I mean, like it's, it's hard to leave a, a, a group, and basically say like, see, I'm out the door and then come back to that same group. That's why this works for Sean. It is a different group of people. Now, the people that were there loved Sean at the time, obviously, and, and they all like him and want him back. But 
The other thing about you guys were talking about Sean visiting for the UConn game and kind of seeing and it being like, oh man, this would be nice to come back to is you got to think how different Xavier and the Centos are now compared to when he left. That's so a great he, point, Rick. He, he comes back and all of a sudden he and, sees all these upgraded yeah. facilities. He sees how great Centos Center looks inside. He sees this place rocking for a game and you're in the Big East now, which is where he played, which is a, a conference that he values and thinks is high major and all that stuff. I mean, you can see how the nostalgia play was probably strong on him here. Yeah. You have a, a brand new weight room. You have uh, going to be a brand new ox gym. You have a completely renovated, pretty much completely renovated inside regular Cintas center and everything else. It looks different aesthetically everything. And then plus the big East, there's just so much appeal now, especially if Sean hasn't been back since then that he's looking around and going, oh, man, this could all be mine. Well, and just think and about there it. Is also, there's also the idea that Sean left Xavier, went to Arizona. Obviously, things went the way they did. But also, Archie left Dayton to go to Indiana, and things went the way they did. And I think there must be an idea that maybe that's the way to go. Maybe the school that cares about basketball – Maybe the school that's all in on basketball is the place to be. Rick, do you think that him leaving and now coming back gives him any reason to want to stay here at Xavier longer for the long haul now that he sees the value of the program, the contracts for six years? That Do you see Sean now making this his home for a long time? I think it's one of the best chances Xavier will ever have at that. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm of the opinion that that's – it helps. It's obviously a nice thing to have when you look at some of the programs that have ascended that championship level. A lot of times it includes a coach that has stuck around for a long time. So I get why people want that. But I also say like, I mean, Chris Mack was here for a decade, essentially. You know, like I think Xavier has proven that they can keep a coach around a little bit. I don't think it's as big of a concern as people make it out to be. But yeah, I think Sean Miller, just look at the age factor, right? He's 54 right now. If he plays out that entire contract, the six years, He's here till he's 60. And then does the next school that wants Sean Miller want to start with him at 60? I'm not saying it precludes him from being considered for other big time jobs, but how does he view it? Does he want to leave for another job and do a, a rebuild somewhere when he's 60? Does another school want to want to take that risk or they want someone a little bit younger? So, I mean, I think this is about the best chance Xavier will have to keep a guy for another like 15 years, potentially. Yeah, totally agree with that. I mean, um, from my perspective, this is a 10 out of 10 hire. I mean, there's no possible way that Xavier could have found a better coach and, uh, and hired him at this point. Um, I feel terrible that Travis Steele was fired. Uh, I think he gave his all, but obviously it just never worked. And Xavier getting into the position where the timing worked out to get Sean Miller at this point is, I mean, it's a, it's astounding. And uh, I, I give a huge amount of credit to Greg Christopher, to Mario, to everybody else that was involved in, uh, in well, making the, this happen. I think the new, I think the new God. president, Dan, I think the new president deserves a lot of credit. I think she really mm-hmm. pushed for this. Yeah. Did, did you hear that through the week, Rick? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think she was a big driving force in in this, as the board of trustees was. I think board of trustees is probably first and foremost because some of those people, a lot of those people, really have experience, personal experience with Sean Miller. And I think the president was really a, a driving force behind it too. And obviously, Greg Christopher is the athletic director, so he's out there leading the charge on this as well. But um, one of the other things about the whole, as we were talking about Sean, the nostalgia play and all that, I think that also played a big role during the actual negotiating process and his thought process when he was trying to decide between South Carolina and Xavier is he had people he could call at Xavier that, that were friends that he trusted that could give him a view of like, here's how things have changed. Here's what's going on now. You still have our support. You know, you have our support. Whereas at South Carolina, it's just a place. He doesn't know anyone there. There is no connection there. He doesn't have anyone he can and, call during that process and say, what do you think about this guy? You know, he, he, he remembers father, Graham, Mike Boginski and sister Rose. So that's not the same right. people that he's going to be dealing with on a day-to-day basis now. And I think you, you want to be able to ask around about them and get a feel for those types of people. And at Xavier, he was able to do that at South Carolina. Right. He wasn't right. And Rick, uh, uh just to, Add on that, I mean, Danny Peters, a uh, guy that he recommended, Travis Steele, is on the uh, assistance bench. Dante Jackson, who played for Sean, obviously, is on the assistance bench. So, obviously, he's got some connections that are already there. Yeah, I think it was it, it offered the opportunity for him to gather a lot of insight on where Xavier is at right now. It's like, okay, I know things have changed. How do you view this job right now? What do you think of these other people that I'm going to be dealing with on a day-to-day basis? And whoever he let be involved in that process, and I'm not sure how many people he talked to, um, but you know he had people to reach out to that he trusted. Yeah. Rick, did you did you get the sense uh, as everything was going on this week, did you kind of get the sense that there were any more reservations of people at the top? Uh, with this, because you mentioned you mentioned on the emergency podcast the other day that you, the board seemed to be way more willing and open to hiring Sean than you initially thought they would be. As you talked to more people, did you continue to get that? Obviously, they they hired him, so there's no more of those reservations. But where they stood and how they decided to come to this decision? Yeah, now I, I can't speak for everybody involved. I mean, maybe along the way there was someone who felt like this wasn't the right decision or was more concerned about um, the NCAA investigation and all that. But in terms of when they were pulling the board of trustees and the real decision makers who were involved here, everybody said, this is a a hire we have to make. I mean, for for the future of the program, this is the only answer and you got to go get them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk a little bit here for those who may not remember or didn't get a chance to watch Sean too much at Arizona, what they can expect from Sean as far as like style of play goes, what kind of teams, like what these next few years of Xavier teams will look like for people that maybe have just started watching Xavier basketball in the last few years now compared to a Travis Steele coach team, what a Sean Miller coach team will look like. I will, uh, I will defer to Rick on this. Well, I think from an overall perspective, like some traits that people are really going to be hoping that Sean brings back are some of just the toughness and the edge and the physical strength of the guys that he brings into the program. I mean, when he was there, they were known for toughness and some guys that would 
fight you on the court for the most part, but you weren't quite <laughs> sure if it might spill over as well. I mean, they, you know, they just always had a little bit of an edge to them. And I think that they've definitely gotten away from that over recent years. Interestingly, Rick, enough, would like, you say CJ Anderson is kind of the quintessential Sean Miller player? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, he, he can really get the most out of those types of guys. And that's always been one of his styles. Now at Arizona, he was able to recruit a lot of really talented players. Uh, so it, things were a little bit different there than when he was at Xavier in the A-10. Uh, but one thing that was always consistent is the the pack line defense. I mean, that was what he did. He brought that to Xavier, and it's been at Xavier now for a long time. People have been asking me a lot about that, and I, I think they wanted it to change. Uh, I can't speak for Sean. I don't know if he'll want to change that or not, but I would imagine it's still something he believes in, and uh, he will continue to do it. But one thing about that is I think the pack line looked a lot different when Sean did it than over the last few years, the way it was played under uh, Steel's team. So I think it's not so much about the system as it is the types of guys you're going to recruit and the things you're going to prioritize on a day-to-day basis in practice. And um, for Sean, I think that will start with the toughness of his teams and the defensive end. I think you'll see major improvements right away in those two areas. Yeah, I've had Arizona fans in my mentions all day. I tweeted that a little earlier about how that this hire, I I said that this hire immediately puts the rest of the Big East and quite honestly, the country on notice. And I had people from all over different conferences and Arizona fans and Big East fans and everybody going, I don't know about that. Let's take a step back. We've said this a million times that this is a hire where Mark Few or Mick Cronin or anybody on the West Coast, anybody around the country, if you hire one of these mid-major head coaches and they look at their phone and see Xavier hires so-and-so from whatever state school and you're going, oh, okay, well, all right, well, maybe we'll see them one day and down the line, whatever. You at least do a double take now with Xavier hiring Sean Miller that that name is back in the game and, and he's back on the recruiting trail and he's back at a high major school like Xavier in a conference like the big East, but a lot of Arizona fans through, through the day have been, have been in my mentions just going off and hammering Sean for not being that great of a coach and being an overrated coach. And people always gave him all this credit. I have to think a little bit of that is maybe some saltiness from well, act- maybe not getting the tournament results that they were always promised that. Well, I mean, he was there for 12 years and they didn't make the final four and, you know, coming out, coming off of the loot Olsen years, that is a little bit tough to deal with for them, but he won what five outright pack 12 championships regular season and went to the elite eight four or five times. I mean, he was there or thereabouts. So Yeah, I mean, I understand it because Arizona is a program where you expect to compete for national titles. And that was where he knew he was going when he left Xavier. But I mean, he did he did make a lot of uh, make a lot of moves there. I mean, he he did he did a really good job. It just never got past the elite eight. Yeah, my three-time coach of the year in the conference. And the other part of it is give credit to Tommy Lloyd for getting them to where they are this year. But Sean was the architect for most of that roster. 
you know, he and yeah. his staff. So, I mean, they, they did a good job of putting that team together too. So it, it, if he was still in charge, I imagine they'd be making a nice run again this year and uh, who knows what happens there. So, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, look, I, it's obvious the guy can coach. I don't think anyone is questioning that. Will it be a perfect hire for Xavier? Will it work out the way all fans are thinking it's going to work out right now? It's possible that it doesn't, but this gives you the best chance of being nationally relevant right away without question. It wasn't even close compared to Sean Miller or someone else who gives you the best chance to be nationally relevant again within the next three years. It, it's not close. <laughs> on the podcast on Monday, Rick, you and I spent what? five or 10 minutes going on about Sean. And then we had to pump the brakes and say, Hey, whoa, whoa, wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. And now six days later, here we are. I mean, not even to speak of the God awful NCAA tournament takes that I had on the skinny podcast, but I mean, really we were talking about this on the podcast. An we're hour, all aware of this. An hour. <laughs> what a disaster. I mean, the whole thing broke nightmarish. I'm but the one anyway. who broke the story, and an hour before it broke, I was talking about how they were probably going to take their time because they hadn't made – I mean, I just didn't expect once they let him coach in the NIT that they were going to fire him 12 hours after the win. I thought it was like, okay, we're not in a hurry. We're going to take our time with the process. We're probably getting vetting through things, and there's a search firm involved and all that, and we will part ways with Travis when – the competitive nature of trying to hire another coach dictates that we need to. And uh, that turned out to be immediately <laughs> That turned out to be Wednesday at one o'clock. Yeah. Right, well, I mean, we got to talk about, um, I know everybody wants to know about recruits and current guys mm-hmm. on the team. Here's the deal with that. There will be transfers. I'm also not going to break news of a guy transferring out. Uh, 12 hours before they play in an NIT game tomorrow. That's just not fair. None of those decisions have been made, even if I feel strongly about a guy or two leaving. That's not fair to say. So you will hear about transfers very soon, I'm sure, as soon as the NIT run is over, maybe even before then. But we'll let the kids handle their own transfer news. As far as the three recruits, it just happened. I'm sure they may have their feelings about Sean Miller, but mostly it's going to be tied to who the assistant coach is as much as anything. And right now we just don't know how it's going to work out with the assistants. The interesting thing about Sean, which I talked about on the message board today, he doesn't have an incumbent staff. Most coaches, when they get a new job, they had an entire staff with them and all those guys really want a job. They want to keep, and he feels like he owes them. And so he may bring at least two of those guys with him. And then maybe he needs to upgrade a third or something like that. But in this case, Sean doesn't have any of that. So he's either starting completely fresh or he's looking at the guys on staff, looking at what they might be able to keep there in terms of recruits. And he's probably considering keeping some guys. And I've heard it's possibly might keep everybody. Why would you do that? Well, for one, one of the guys that would have been on his incumbent staff as he was coming would be Danny Peters right now. And he was a big reason Danny Peters got the job at Xavier. So I think there's definitely a possibility Danny Peters was saying. Dante Jackson obviously played for him. So I think there's a possibility. There's a natural connection there that he could stay. Jonas Hayes, everyone seemed to think was going to leave. I was on that same boat. I still think there's a good chance he would leave because he's going to get big time offers from Georgia, probably Florida, probably Missouri, probably Tennessee. I mean, all of the SEC is probably going to be after him since so many jobs changed. It's possible he will leave, but I've also heard there's a connection between he and Sean Miller that has helped bridge that gap and they're starting to form a relationship already. So it's possible that Jonas Hayes might would stay. And if you do that, you're probably got, well, 
Jonas Hayes and really um, Jordan Brooks. If you keep those two, you can possibly keep Tyrell Ward. And uh, then Dante recruited both Cam Craft and Desmond Claude. Desmond Claude, I don't know that you can keep. I think that's going to be a tough one either way, probably. But Cam Craft, you keep Dante Jackson in place. And I think Sean Miller gives you a chance to keep him as well. So I definitely think there's a possibility, maybe even a good one, that they could keep at least two of the three recruits. Which basically all of this now then boils down to Travis and Sean doing a swap. It could be that. Now, I still think that would be a pretty unique circumstance. And this is a very unique circumstance, obviously, but that would be kind of rare. I wouldn't necessarily expect that, but I've had enough conversations to feel comfortable in saying that it's a possibility. What a wild scenario that would be. Yeah. Agree. And in I some mean, ways, man. I don't know if I really like that idea either, you know, cause it's just kind of like, even for the current player's sake of like, hold on, we're supposed to have a whole new, like it's supposed to be different, but everything's the same kind of. You know, yeah, so. that's my thing. That's my thinking too. Yeah. It'd be weird. It'd be a weird situation, but I also think, I mean, there's no doubt that you're going to get a, a different type of leader in Sean Miller. So, yeah, who knows? Yeah, it, it's it just seems bizarre to me, and not, and that's not to say that any of the guys that are there, I'm saying, should be gone. I'm just, it just seems weird when you think of a new coach. You always think of the program changing over and you have a whole new set of fresh faces you have to learn. But in that situation, it would be Travis is gone. Sean is in and everything else is status quo, potentially even the recruits to a certain extent, which I'm sure a lot of fans would love to keep, especially guys like Tyrell and, and Cam Kraft. But boy, that would be just a, I'd be a very unique situation. I'll put it that way. It would be interesting to see for certain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to believe, but. <laughs> but, but what, Dan? Dan, did you fall asleep? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought you just trailed off in mid-sentence right there. Uh, amazing. Uh, All right. What do you guys have any other questions? Anything you feel like we haven't addressed that we need to get to? I don't know. Um, what else there really is that we haven't covered yet? No, I, I mean, I, there's nothing for public, uh, public <laughs> discussion. Yeah. Public I, to know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the big thing is we're, we don't know when the introductory press conference is going to be, it won't be at the NIT game. They're going to wait until the NIT run is over and then they will schedule it sometime. So it's possible we do, they do it next week or something like that. Okay. Isn't it, isn't it crazy amidst all of this, that Xavier is playing a basketball game at one o'clock on Sunday against an SEC team. It's weird. It's definitely it's weird. so weird. Yeah. It's I really so can't weird. believe Z- they're in the NIT right now. That is <laughs> yeah. really, I can't. And and if they win and Dayton wins, they're at UD Arena on Tuesday or they're Wednesday gonna, or whatever. There's going to be like an like an interesting game next week. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. It's wild, I, Paul. I just I just can't get over it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think we're right. good. Yeah, well, Dan, thanks for joining us. Rick, again, yeah, kudos. You. Rick, do you have anything? You have anything to plug? Anything for the website, Dan? You got anything to plug? <laughs> <laughs> do I have anything to plug? No, I don't know. No. I know. I, uh, I appreciate all the new, the people who joined over the weekend. We we obviously saw a, a lot of new subscriptions. So uh, thank you guys for that. And like, there's a, there's a lot of information to read through on the message board if you're not a member yet. So 
please sign up. We're offering 50% off. You can sign up for less than five bucks right now. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, you can leave a rating and a review there too. Maybe toss us a rating. How about that one? And uh, other than that, I'm sure we'll be podcasting as things come up through the next cycle of news. But uh, for now, that'll do it. Sean Miller is the next coach at Xavier. Rick, thanks again for everything. Dan, thanks for joining us. Thank you.